I'd like to invite you along the Camino with me. I'm Holly Brock, and welcome to the playful ponderings of my particular pilgrimage along the Camino de Santiago. almost titled the story, Walking Into the Kingdom. But if, in Dallas Willard's words, the kingdom of God is wherever what God wants is happening, then the kingdom is near and here. And those are Jesus's words. So perhaps it's true we can walk deeper into the kingdom, but it's incredible to recognize that we are already, in some ways, walking in the kingdom. Headlamp early is what I called the mornings when I began the day's walk before dawn. Lowered lights are etiquette for these occasions so that all you can see is the step just beyond the one you've just taken. Because of this, you get in touch with a certain simple faith that the path will indeed continue. Like driving on an interstate at night, careening along, although you can't always see where the road is leading. You trust that the interstate will indeed continue, but you can't actually see that it is so. Similarly, in a headlamp early situation, I trust, even though I cannot see beyond the next few meters, that the path does indeed continue on, continues on all the way to Santiago de Compostela. Today, leaving Astorga, I realize that this experience of walking forward with limited sight is so like life. On the Camino, we put on our boots, fill up our water bottles, look at the guidebook, and start walking. In day-to-day life, we make a schedule, prioritize goals, gather what we need, and go to work. On the Camino, we walk forward not knowing what is coming around the next bend. I could experience a spiritual breakthrough or meet a wonderful new friend, but I could also get lost or injured. In day-to-day life, we don't truly know what tomorrow holds either. I could live a long, fruitful life with family and friends, but I could also be faced with financial distress or chronic illness. Yet, we keep walking forward because there is an inherent faith that there is a good way through. Not always easy, but very possibly good. On the Camino, the way can only be made by walking, one foot in front of the other. The way is made by moving forward and having the faith that the ground will hold under our next step and the next, and the next, just like walking through life. This sunny day, the Camino is winding through wine country. I'm walking along when suddenly I hear something unexpected, hearty singing. It takes me a minute to realize where it's coming from. On a hillside nearby, where a vineyard sinks its roots deep into the soil, there is a group of people singing as they harvest the grapes. This is the tradition here singing and harvesting. I'm guessing this tradition, as well as a deep knowledge about growing grapes, has been passed down from generation to generation. I know a little about the process, the different type grapes with unique genetic codes, different methods of pruning, the type soil, which is best for growing, the effects of the presence or absence of water, the process of fermenting. 
There are many factors that contribute to the flavor of the grape and therefore the wine, but I had never thought about the harvesting of grapes and what the experience might feel like. This was wonderful. It was almost like these harvesters were calling the grapes forth into what they could become. It was like these people were singing a drinking song way before the wine was ready to drink because they know what is coming. Something catches my eye. Someone in that group is waving at me. It's Jesus. Ah, yay. And now he is motioning for me to come over to him. When I get near him, I see he is sweating and his face is sunburned. He's been out here all day harvesting grapes. He takes me by the hand and walks me along the hillside to a line of grapevines that have not been harvested yet. He asked me to look carefully at one of the plants. I've seen grapevines before, but okay. Now, though, I begin to notice things I hadn't before. On one side, the plant has grown robust grapes, almost bursting with juice. Yet as I walk around the other side, the grapes are more modest and toward the bottom, very tiny. On some of the older branches, the grapes have begun to dry out a little, showing a few wrinkles. I had never stopped to notice the diversity of grapes on a single plant. Jesus asked, asked me, why is it like that? I said that it seemed that it depended on how much sun an area got, the age of the branch, how much water it had received. Exactly, he said with a smile. Now he asked me what I smell. I lean in and smell dirt and sun, water, something bitter, something sweet. Jesus is looking intently at me. Why do you smell all of those things? I venture, well, because they're all here and part of the growing. Yes, indeed, he said. Now he asks what I hear. I look at him like perhaps this is one of his pranks, but he nods, so I lean in and close my eyes. You might say I'm crazy, to which I would say, well, have you ever really tried listening to grapes? But it probably had something to do with Jesus being right there. As I lean in, though, I hear the grapes singing. I'm floored and blurred out, oh, my groceries, they're singing. Jesus smiled. Do you know why they're singing? They're singing in response to the harvester's song. The grapes are singing because they know they will soon be harvested. I'm fascinated and perplexed. Don't they know, though, they will be picked only to be squashed and mixed with the juice of other grapes, filtered, and then just sit for a really long time? Would these grapes sing like this if they knew what was coming? Yes, Jesus said, they know and are happy because these grapes know that even though they will undergo quite an excruciating process, they will in the end be transformed into wine. Now Jesus invites me to see how this could come to bear on my life. And he takes me by the hand again and leads me. He has walked with me in the garden of my heart before, but today he is leading me into the vineyard of my life. He asked me what I see. It looks kind of like the vineyard on that hillside in northern Spain, but I begin to see the unique circumstances and details of my life growing there. The genetic code that I am born with, the sun and water and soil of my home and family that I grew up in. Education, friends, experiences, things I've done and things done to me, as well as, as choices I've made and the consequences of those choices. 
I see how all of these moments of my life are like grapes on the vine, how the myriad moments of my life have each grown into a unique fruit. Some are bursting with juice, but not all. In fact, some are kind of prunish and sour, and some are tiny and tart. Just like my life with precious parts and painful parts, parts that haven't been developed very well, beautiful parts, parts that have atrophied, parts that I'm ashamed of. I am simultaneously proud and embarrassed by my vineyard, which is a picture of my life. Jesus takes me by the hand again, which makes me realize I have let go again. Why do I ever let go? But he tenderly takes my hand and now shows me what he sees. I get to see through his eyes. For a blessed moment, I see what his grand hope and design is. If I grow in his vineyard, he will take all of these grapes and carefully, lovingly, skillfully make them into wine. In fact, in his vineyard, it is exactly the combination of all of these grapes, many imperfect, that produces the most unique wines, the product of all of life's moments, the painful and precious and everything in between. He knows he has the patience, skill, and love to craft all of them, like many diverse grapes, into a priceless wine. Jesus turns to face me and asks me if I trust him to. Now it's on me. Will I offer my life to be harvested and made into wine? Do I trust him enough to take all of me, even the imperfect parts, and make me into wine? Can I trust him even if the process might be painful at times? I want to, but I'm scared. I'm squeezing Jesus's hand because I'm afraid of the process and afraid that my, my, my wine will taste bitter or sour afraid that I don't have what it takes. He squeezes my hand back and says, Holly, do not fear. Then he shows me something else. I watch the miracle of him changing water into wine. The sheer chemistry of it is amazing. Grape juice into wine is amazing enough, but this is water transformed into wine. Molecules being broken down and divinely infused with love and then reassembled into new ones. It's like a time lapse of what the Lord might do with us. We could call it the chemistry of sanctification. If he can change water into wine, he can take the grapes of my life and do whatever necessary to make the most unique and exquisite wine sacred unto him. With a flourish of his arm out over all of this Spanish countryside and out over the whole earth, Jesus shouts, welcome to my kingdom where I make all things new. When I see a seed, I see the plant it can become. When I see an injured woman, I see her able to dance, not just on her feet, but in her heart. When I see shame, I see it as fertile ground for renewal. When there are bitter or sour times in your life, I see how to infuse it with love so it can enrich you in the long run. Do not fear. I am the vine and you are the branches. This is my kingdom and I'm inviting you to grow here with me. I'm back on the trail now alone, yet never truly alone. And I answer back, let me walk, Lord, putting one foot in front of the other deeper into your kingdom. Help me to put down roots and grow in your vineyard and to produce the grapes that honor you, but not to fear when I cannot. 
Let my way to Santiago be a journey with you and to you, Lord, into your kingdom that is near and here. Make me into your wine. Surrender to God the holy fire in whom all of our creations are graciously refined. In that holy heat, everything that does not stand the test of love is not destroyed, but rather graciously disassembled and then made available to be reassembled according to love. Mm -hmm.